Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Hello, everyone, uh, and greetings, and thanks for joining us for a very special episode of Talking Strange, paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, Aaron Sagers, a journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, and currently I can be seen on the Travel Channel show and Discovery Plus show, Paranormal, caught on camera, now airing its fifth season Thursdays on those networks. Today, for the first time in more than 50 years, Congress held an open panel on UFOs, or UAP if you prefer, phenomena. And this follows the June 2021 nine-page preliminary assessment from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, which focused on 144 incidents that dated back to 2004. So today was no doubt historic, but what was the ultimate result? Was anything revealed or were there a lot of non-answers and inconclusive information? Well, to discuss that, we have gathered a group of experts from the field, and I'm very fortunate and excited to bring them on. So... We're going to go ahead and start introducing them and bear with me as I bring each of them in. This first gentleman is a UAP researcher and freelance journalist. He's a board member and director of media relations for the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies. He also served as the official spokesperson for the Mutual UFO Network for several years, and he writes about UFOs for Den of Geek, Mr. Alejandro Rojas. Hello, Hello, Alejandro. my friends. Uh, Wonderful hello, to see you. Good to see you. And this next gentleman is a journalist who has presented credible stories about UFOs and the paranormal since 1975. In 1978, he became the only person in history to produce a milestone UFO presentation for the United Nations. He was the chief Huffington Post writer of hundreds of stories crossing the fields of UFOs and science. In 2020, he co-produced and co-wrote the phenomena, a thought-provoking, critically acclaimed UFO documentary from director James Fox, and he currently co-produces and hosts the weekly Edge of Reality radio program on the KGRA Digital Broadcast Network, Mr. Lee Spiegel. Hello, Lee. Hi, how you doing, Aaron? I'm it's, doing it's, great, sir. Good to it's, see it's, you, it's, uh, it's as finally, always. It's nice to see you without bumping into each other at airports like we've done before. I know, that is correct, and I'm I'm just happy to have you here and adding your knowledge and expertise to this. And our next guest is the co-host of the Alt-Pop Repeat podcast. She's also the co-host of Somewhere in the Sky. She's a partner and director 
of media and PR for the debrief and just an all around active and vocal member of this community. Please welcome Chrissy Newton. Hello, Chrissy. Thank you for joining. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Coming in with some nice audio, too. I love it. This gentleman is a series regular on Ancient Aliens, a lead investigator and co-host of Mysteries Decoded on the CW Network. He's also been featured on Beyond the Unknown. He's the author of Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomena. He's also the creator and host of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, Mr. Ryan Sprague. Hello. Hey, Aaron. I'm super honored to be here, man. Thank you Happy for having me. Happy to have me. you. And last, certainly not least, he is a UFO expert, a fe- former federal criminal investigator. He's been on a mission to uncover the truth behind the country's most shocking and infamous UFO sightings. He's host of the Discovery Plus show UFO Witness, which a new season of UFO Witness is right around the corner. Mr. Ben Hansen. And Good afternoon or morning, wherever there. you may be. <laughs> Thank you for each of us for uh, joining us, each of you. Uh, just real briefly, and we do have some comments already coming in. People are are wanting to ask questions about today, this historic day. So, real briefly down the line, I would like to hear just the very initial reaction slash takeaway was it good was it bad was it the quote-unquote nothing burger that some people anticipated uh chrissy why don't you begin yeah i heard the nothing burger i'm you know i'll always say this i'm just happy we're here where we are right now right like we've gotten this far so i will take you know anything that they can give us at this point i think it's great but for sure we're always going to want more and i think that's why we're having this discussion and we'll have way more uh, as we go along and hopefully they'll be doing more hearings like this too. So right. I think it's a good step forward personally. Yeah. Lee Spiegel, you've been doing this longer than all of us. So what was your thought? Well, um, I'm, I'm in the, the group of the nothing burgers. Um, I like my medium rare. I like veggie <laughs> burgers. <laughs> so that's a, that's a different kind of food. Um, I, I kind of liked how representative Adam Schiff, said that this hearing was critical to uh, to result hopefully to result in U- uap transparency and he mentioned how uap reports have been around for decades and that it's our responsibility to be transparent to the public at least finally uh where we seem to be at the point where the public can get a real sense that there are members of congress who confirm the reality of ufos after so many decades, decades of, of denial and uh, shrugging the topic under the rug, I thought it was real good that there were several references to Project Blue Book. That really struck me because it's, it's good to remind not only the current policymakers and the public that the Air Force closed Blue Book more than 50 years ago, claiming, as we all know, claiming that there was nothing of any scientific interest in the subject of UFOs. There was no evidence that these objects represented any kind of advanced technology, duh, and that they posed no threat to our national security. And now, finally, we now know none of that is true, that what they told us at the end of Project Blue Book. So I think we have to keep a concerned eye on our leaders 
who think they can have it both ways because they can't. Well, that, yeah, you're right. They literally closed the book, uh, said there was nothing there, and here we are today. Alejandro, as someone that was a PR spokesperson for MUFON, what was your just initial takeaway from this? Um, you know, on the MUFON topic, uh, it was great to hear them say MUFON, but I think MUFON, the only reason they mention it is because that's all they know. I mean, it's the largest UFO uh, research civilian organization. And when uh, it came in useful later on, when they were asking, you know, what about public sightings? You're only paying attention to military. And they're like, well, we're going to. We're going to look uh, to work with uh, other organizations that are out there. So that statement is exciting. Hopefully it happens, but they claim they're going to be working with civilian organizations, which uh, for other foreign governments is not unheard of. Chile, for example, which I think we may say is maybe the shining example of a government UFO program. They worked a lot with civilian UFO organizations, so that'll happen. So it's good to start on a positive note. Not a positive note, I don't think in any way this is a nothing burger at all. Uh, it's disappointing, no doubt, but not a nothing burger. It was good that they were taking... They were talking about this in a serious manner, um, all parties. Nobody made fun of it. I thought it was unfortunate and kind of a fail when they brought up the sci-fi convention thing, and I don't even know what they're trying to do, maybe humanize themselves a bit, but it didn't really come across. They were just said, we're working on the stigma to make this serious. Oh, by the way, you know, Moultrie likes to go to sci-fi conventions. Maybe he'll wear costumes, and, and it kind of... It watered down that argument they were just making. But otherwise, everything was very serious. On that note, I think it's going to be very serious in moving this forward and making the mainstream feel comfortable talking about this topic. Otherwise, it was a complete fail on every other level. I think we did get some interesting information that they've gone on the record, and I think we'll touch on these points as we go along. But, um, you know, they the, the whole gist of this and the opening remarks were about, you know, hey, DOD, you're only giving us sightings. We want more. You're dragging your feet. You know, very strong verbiage that we want you to do something. And it seemed like that's what these hearings were going to be about. But after kind of pushing them a little bit in the opening remarks, they didn't touch on that at all. It was more just kind of like sitting around and saying, hey, guys, what are you guys going to do over there in the AIMSOG, which is great. We have the, the pronunciation of the acronym now. But uh, we're going to, you know, here's what we're going to do in the AIMSOG. Cool. Sounds great. And that's about it. Of course, there were Gallagher, for example. There were some examples of where some people kind of put them to task slightly, but not the kind of back and forth we were expecting, I think. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit more about some of the uh, potential contentious interactions. But uh, and just for context, yeah, the there was a moment where uh, Ronald Ness Moultrie, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, he he's an admitted uh, science fiction fan and convention goer, and it was used as a bit of comedic fodder for the moment. And yes, I think it was intended to humanize him and. I think he handled it overall well, even though there was that sort of jokey moment. That said, uh, Ben, I'm holding you for last for this because I have a sense I know what you're gonna where the direction you're gonna go. But uh, Ryan, was this was this worthwhile or was this a waste of uh, streaming time for you? Absolutely not a waste. I don't think anyone's saying that. Uh, I think they have to again look at the very uh, contentious 
relationship that the government has had with this topic for so long. I mean, this is huge. It's historic. No matter what was said, uh, what came out of it, it, it is a historical moment for this topic. And as you guys mentioned, we will talk about some of the specifics. Gallagher in in uh, specific for me personally was the highlight of this. But I think overall, uh, just to hear this topic being taken seriously on the Congress floor again for the first time in decades was huge. I got chills at the beginning when Carson was talking about this and nobody was laughing. Nobody was smirking. The room was more full than I actually thought it would be. So uh, yeah, this was not a nothing burger for me. Um, You know, it's like opening that Christmas present. You, you want the newest PlayStation, but you got to settle right now for the first Nintendo is kind of how I look at it. And uh, I think we're on our way. This is, Great way to put it. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, the, you know, let's face it is perhaps the only topic right now that seems to have uh, bipartisan uh, uh, support. And I mean, arguably, I will say there's a lot of things going on in this nation right now that deserve attention. I'm glad that this is receiving attention. But uh, Ben Hansen, so having listened to your colleagues and also watching this live, and I know you were, you were tweeting about it, what was your uh, reaction? What was your initial takeaway of all this? Well, I concur with everyone that first we need to recognize it's historic. Um, it's been over 50 years. It took us a long time to get here. I was optimistically, uh, I think realistically optimistic at the beginning of it. I, I'm not expecting much to come from it. Having had now an hour and a half, two hours since it aired, though, I'm starting to get a sour taste in my mouth. (laughs) I'm starting to look at what wasn't said um, and trying to avoid going down that road of, of, you know, second guessing that maybe the task force uh, is intentionally doing things, whereas I think the real case as we get into it is more of incompetence. And that's disheartening. It's disheartening that they're tasked with something and now we're seeing um, where they're really at with it and the lack of knowledge they really have and, and the lack of seriousness they're taking it. So hopefully what comes out of it is that this is the first of many hearings um, that the, the Congress stays on them. And I, we saw some of that fire that they don't give that up and they come back with better questions and um and really push them to come up with better answers. Yeah, there was a couple moments throughout this that I responded with, really? Based on the responses. And, you know, I I guess actually one big question, a big question that I wrote down, and I need someone to answer this for me, is if – if UFOs, if UAP are deemed national security threats because they are unknown, and understandably, I guess the military would not want to reveal sensitive intelligence information that might tip hands to potential adversaries, then does that not create a justification for continuing to not tell us more because essentially all every UAP is going to be deemed an adversary if that yeah yeah potentially ben you started i want to hear from anyone that wants to jump in on this yeah let me 
Go for it. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> I was then... just going to say to add for perspective from the beginning, you know, Susan Go, the representative, has already told us what the UAP task force, that's what she was talking about, but it, I think, still holds true for any of these other groups that grow from it that what they do is classified, what they investigate is classified, the results of what they get is classified. They've already said that. Um, and what they're doing is classified. And I, I think that's a big point in that what we're gonna get from the military is very limited. If we mm -hmm. do get something like they said they would share uh, data on unknowns, that would be unprecedented and something that's really never happened before. Uh, and they would have to develop mechanisms for that. For instance, they called Nimitz a UAP event will give us the data. You just told us you're going to give us data on events that are, are you know, true UAPs that are not national security concern. Perfect example, Nimitz, they've given us zero. The only thing we have on Nimitz is firsthand um, witnesses and a leaked report that was allegedly mm -hmm. written, and I believe it was, you know, I think we all think it was written by Stratton, but for the OSAP group. So, yeah, I think from the get-go, we can't expect a lot going forward. Yeah. Uh, who else wants to weigh on that? Ben, you seemed excited about that yeah. that question. Well, I tweeted that exact same thing because um, both um, Bray and um, uh, uh, Moultrie. Moultrie. Okay, so throughout the whole thing from the beginning, the middle, and the end, they looking at my notes here, they both confirmed or affirmed um, – their commitment to giving full transparency is what they said, full transparency to sharing with the public if, and they had two caveats. Number one, like you said, is if it didn't reveal sensitive um, uh, sources and methods, okay? And number two, if it didn't reveal intelligence about our adversaries mm -hmm. that we didn't want out. So sources and methods, like Alejandra pointed out, you know, like, it, it, that is an arbitrary stamp they could put on anything. If you look at what happened with the redacted um, preliminary report that came out and the redacted classified version, which was 17 pages, that um, mm -hmm. it, so much of it's taken out, but things such as the shape of the UFO, the shape of the craft, diagrams of what they look like. So you could always take that point of view that like, okay, well, if it's adversarial, if it belongs to Russia or China, we can't tell you the patterns of shapes we're seeing because we don't know if it's theirs. So boom, that's gone, right? So by definition, until you prove otherwise, an ET threat is adversarial. So you just remove it from the table. And that, to me, was really frustrating. They're playing this wordsmithing thing. I get it. I've mm -hmm. been on the other side of intelligence, and I understand what they're trying to do, but it's really an empty promise. Yeah, I think the next comment too is then they are having conversations with adversarials, they're saying. So I think it is then what are those conversations that they're going to be having moving forward? You know, if they're talking to China, what is that? You know, what does that look like? You know, what is the intel that they're sharing? And we know, I wouldn't say adversaries, I did an interview with Lou Elizondo about two months ago about this and the conversation about China and the threat. And I think that they're for sure, he said that, you know, he's briefing other countries. We don't know if they're full yeah. adversaries. He wouldn't speak to that, but it is happening. So I just like to know what those conversations are. And if they are having it, then what are they deciding to show us and not when they have those conversations and knowing that it's adversarial or not? And what are they telling us then? I'm going to throw it to Lee, but I, I also do want to note that 
there was a moment where, uh, it, you know, speaking of adversaries, so I, I think the idea of treating any potential ET as an adversary, that was one part, but also they did shut down a question about speaking to uh, or or reports on um, activity in adversarial nations, perhaps understandably, but that was saved for the classified portion of the panel as well. Lee, uh, you looked like you had something to add. I, I was very interested watching the back and forth between Moultrie and Bray, almost as if they had a prearranged signal between them. Uh, I, that that seemed pretty obvious to me. And I, you know, you, you, you've all mentioned about how Moultrie already admitted that uh, he likes going to conventions. Uh, okay, but but then he then he would say something like, you know, where we've been increasing our efforts to collect and analyze UAP reports. And then he said, and this struck me, he said, we're open to all hypotheses about UAPs. Really? And that made me think, okay, if we take that sentence at face value, one of the all hypotheses is extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, other realities. Um, so if you're saying we're open to all hypotheses, I, I, I read between the sentences or the, the words there in which he's actually saying, we're not actually coming out to say this, but extraterrestrial is one of the things we're considering. And then he said, to follow that up, he said, I enjoy the challenge of what may be out there. And I went, really? Now, when you say out there, are you referring to outside of our country or outside of our world? What exactly are you meaning the challenge of what may be out there? So that struck me. And, and then with, when he gave the signal to Bray, and Bray picked up and said that he, uh, he described that there are, there are current protocols for military UAP witnesses to report encounters. And, and he said, again, it's, it's how they say something. He said, we're not aware of any current technology that can operate with no visible means of propulsion. Wow. Okay. Why did you say that? Because if if you're saying, if you're admitting that none of these real, credible UAP, UFO reports, if, if they're, they're real and they're not operating with visible means of propulsion and there's no current technology that can match it, then what are you saying? He was I saying mean, they're UAP. I mean, he was supporting that there are UAPs mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. They, was, and yeah. he was confirming that. Right. But th they, they, they will generally the policymakers I've, I've seen will go just so far before saying, okay, okay, we're being visited by someone from somewhere and we don't know. But they would have, to, have to have evidence of that though. And I don't think they're indicating there's any evidence of that. Not I personally, I would agree. We don't have strong evidence of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, or, or maybe we do. And, and that makes me think of the day that James Fox and I, when we did our interview with Harry Reid in his office in Las Vegas for the phenomenon, and 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 James said to him, "So, do you believe, Senator, that that, that we have evidence we of, of what we're talking about here?" And Reid got very very excited when he said, "Yes, we've got it. We've got it all." And and it's a shame to the American public that we're not being more responsive or transparent. 
but we've got everything out there that is considered evidence, but it's it's being kept from the people. So would he be lying about something like that? If, if a guy like him says, we've had evidence, I've seen evidence, but we're not supposed to show it to you. Well, well, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. See, that's, but my, that's, that's my problem. I don't know. The, I was just going to say, you know, the evidence, the group of people that we're talking about that Harry Reid's working with is the, the Bigelow group. And they're used to saying very bombastic things without supporting any of it. And I think that's part of the problem. Reid can say that, but is that his personal opinion or is that evidence that he's seen, you know, that would prove this? And and they haven't, he hasn't clarified, nor have any of those people, nor has Elizondo or, or any of them. So... Um, and some of the evidence, and I think maybe some of you would agree that they think is strong evidence, I personally feel is not strong evidence. The materials, they said we don't have anomalous materials. Um, Elizondo has said they have anomalous materials. The materials I'm aware of them having, I do not agree, are anomalous, that that's been proven they're anomalous. I think that's kind of where we're getting is, and, and that's the problem. Can you prove it or do you believe it? And right. we're getting a lot of just stuff thrown out there without clarification or backing it up. I want to I want to address something to Ryan just because I haven't heard from you in a minute. Uh, Somewhere in the skies, your your book took very uh, a kind of a personalized approach to encounters, and you really kind of did a journalistic style, I, which I appreciate. So I kind of thought about you when they were speaking about attempts to establish communication and said, no, I'm kind of, tell me, give me your reaction to that when they're seeing these objects and they're saying on one hand, there was no communication received. And on the other hand, there was no attempt to communicate. what do you think about that? I don't, I don't believe that personally. I mean, I think one of the most telling things in James Fox and in Lee's documentary was uh, Parvish Jafari from the Iranian Air Force saying his biggest regret was not trying to communicate right. with the UAP he was chasing. Um, so I, I do not personally believe that they have not attempted to communicate with some of these UAP if they do believe they are being piloted by something. Uh, but that's tough because, again, we're, we're getting into the classified nature of a lot of this. Where is the location that the UAP event happened? We can't tell you that. It, it could, you know, hinder our intelligence or what was the shape? We can't tell you that. A lot of what we saw today was we'll talk about that in closed briefings, which was very frustrating for a lot of us. We want to hear the good stuff, of course, mm -hmm. but I'm on this weird kind of tightrope, I think, with a lot of people out there of wanting to believe certain things and accepting the facts that were being given. And for me today, the facts are that this group has absolutely no idea what we're dealing with. Uh, maybe in a few of these instances, I think the most telling thing today was Carson saying, are you showing us these videos that you can explain because you can explain those? What about all the unexplained mm -hmm. ones? Will you be, you know, admitting that or, uh, releasing that to the public at some point. And again, they said, you know, we can't really discuss that. So I do think they were cherry picking today the things they could explain, like this pyramid UFO video, um, certain things like that. That was interesting. You know, they were able to, on camera in front of Congress, debunk some of these things that we've been talking about for the past year and a half that's been all over the news, flying pyramids and, and, and you know, these other craft that were 
being photographed. And now they're saying we could explain that. So that gives me hope that, yeah, they can explain some of it, but it's clear that these two people, Scott Bray and, um, and Ronald as well, that they, they knew a lot less than the Congress members did. And that was extremely concerning to me that uh, they had no idea that nuclear installations were being (laughs) intruded upon by UAP. I mean, that blew my mind that they said, we have no knowledge. We haven't looked into that. (laughs) Exactly, Ben. I I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why are you not using the pre-existing data moving forward? I get you're investigating things from 2004 on, apparently. But why are you not referencing the 70 plus years of data in history that this topic has? That was most frustrating for me. There was an element of sloppiness. I, I, I like I was watching it and I mean, I am not part of the DOD or anything, but there were certain responses where I'm like, are you are you feigning ignorance or is this just a matter of, well, we haven't talked to those people over there. We, you know, that's that's their their bubble, their operation, and they just haven't told us about uh you know they're they're looking they're dealing with momstrom uh, or whatever you know that's their deal anyone want to react to that am i ben yeah yeah so my take on this is like i said um i was hoping that that i would hear from two highly informed competent people and, and not not to you know repudiate everything they said here i i see more of a sense of like you get an assignment you're in the government you get assigned a certain job and you kind of get into the rote, you know, procedure of like, okay, well, I don't know anything about this. Um, this is what we're mandated to do. Just, we got a timeline here, just throw something together, you know, get some staff together. So they pull people from other parts who have no qualifications in this and they're clerical. They start looking into things. I, I tweeted that they really need a UFO one-to-one course. Yeah, I mean, to really get into this, you've got to dive in. You have to have a passion for it. And I got the sense that none of them really had a passion. Going to a sci-fi conference is not a passion, okay, in this. So I got the sense that um, they're only doing what's absolutely necessary, which we learned that their, their instigation for them following cases was, we heard them say, well, you know, the media hadn't brought that to our attention, something to that effect. Like it hadn't come through the media. Like what? Yeah. Like what? The New York Times has to do a story on it for you to move yeah. on it. Right. Right. Yeah. I and, get the sense the that. Second... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the second part of it was if it's not from the media, then it's Congress or some external force like, um, you know, Gallagher saying, well, I, I don't really have the order to tell you to do this, but I'd suggest you look into this Malmstrom thing. You know? Yeah. I also had a conversation too with Lou Elizondo about that. And he told me when I did an interview with him that a tip knew about Maelstrom air, like he knew about Maelstrom. So, right. Exactly. Why, why are you, you know, you have somebody else that used to work at the DOD and was working, you know, with identifying UFOs and working behind the scenes saying that, yes, they knew. And then you come forward and say that you don't, then the the question is as well, who's lying? Yeah, and it doesn't seem like they're listening to Elizondo. It seems yeah. like they're really trying to erase the whole A-tip um, yeah. history also and just move from the UFO, ta- the UAP task force, which is why Bray was there, because that was the Naval Intelligence Project, which then moved over to USD, which is now Moultrie's Arena. 
Um, they're just ignoring all of that. And a lot of people are calling for hearings, which is kind of scary when it comes oh. to Elizondo because he's this lone guy who's got to prove that all of this stuff happened or what they knew this, this or that. But I think historically, you know, I think the message was good that we're taking this seriously, but I think it was Ben that mentioned, you know, but their actions show they weren't. And of course their knowledge mm -hmm. shows they weren't. I don't think they were. I think they really thought this would all go away, that the public mm -hmm. attention would go away and it didn't. And if you look at the messaging before the hearings were called and before Brian Bender's article where he highlighted how these lawmakers are really concerned. They were talking about, yeah, we're going to keep collating. We're talking about hopefully getting our agents agencies to cooperate. They were really still not on point. But then once Brian's article came out, I think it was the next day the hearings were called. They changed their tune to now say we're trying to investigate. I think at that point they were scrambling. They're like, uh-oh, they're taking this serious we better look no. like we're taking it serious as well. And so their education was kind of like to the point you guys were making. They have staffers who went and read books and read stuff. They have a meeting. Moultrie's like, okay, give me what's going on. He takes some notes, you know, when it comes to nukes, scribble, scribble, scribble. You know, he just heard what he wanted to hear so he could get through this briefing. And hopefully they'll begin to educate themselves because the nuke thing is ridiculous. They say that the reason they're looking into this yeah. is for safety and security, the number one issue. And this isn't an issue that comes from UFO goofballs like they may consider all of us. This is a military issue where we've got documents going back for decades and decades yeah. showing mm -hmm. officially they have these incursions over nuclear facilities. And they want to tell us they don't know or it's, act like it's no big deal. This is the biggest issue. I know that we got our questions for the SEU in front of a lot of staffers. I don't know that if they got it any further, but we definitely made a big point that this is essentially the number one issue and nobody's addressed it. Alejandro, <laughs> just, just to put hold, one, one moment, Lee, one moment. Alejandro, just to put this into context for those that may not have been following the panel live, talk a little bit about the, just very briefly what you're referring to with the nuke issue that they were saying they did not know about. Yeah, they said they didn't know that there have been multiple uh, mm -hmm. occasions. I think there's something like six or seven, at least, government documents that, that show major incursions by unknowns. And these Good. documents are ones that are flagged. That's how we know, uh, because they're FOIAable because of the way they're flagged, that we've been able to get those via FOIA for years now. And they, they are very clear that we don't know what these are. And these incidents are pretty extraordinary. Beyond that, there's a lot of researchers, most notably Robert Hastings, who wrote a book called UFO Nukes, where he's talked to mm -hmm. over 150 of these military witnesses. And he's got a documentary out where he's talked to very many of them, all extremely credible people. Robert Solis even had a press conference just a few <laughs> years ago at the Washington Press Club, right. where he brought up a lot of very credible witnesses. I actually met one in McMinnville who retired as a general. He was a colonel. When he had the the event occurred, he was, uh, I believe, at Minot Air Force Base because many Air Forces bases, even in Russia, this has happened, um, where these incursions have happened. But uh, and he retired a general, so I mean, these are very serious people. He also talked about in some of these instances, some of the witnesses were told to sign NDAs, which is another very important topic. One at the SCU, we were also pushing is. Are you going to allow these people who have had to sign NDAs to share information with the committee? But I don't need, I think the committee's still miles away from even knowing these NDAs ever happened. Um, they're just, and, yeah, extremely undereducated. And specific to this mm -hmm. panel, they were also referencing 
uh, that there were objects over these nuclear facilities where ICBMs were rendered inoperable. Right. And that's and a they big said, point. and they, um, uh, I believe it was Moultrie uh, that said, we've heard about that. But so it's not the database. Yeah. Right. Which, 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 which could mean that, like, yeah, we're aware of it, but sucks. it's not our purview. We're not going to get into it. Yeah. Right. So, and, and so it's over there. Let me just briefly uh, give you an analogy here. So all of us have worked in TV, right? But what I kind of sense going on, and, and this is nothing against, you know, anything I'm currently working on, but you know how it goes. Someone creates a UFO show and uh, the producers are like, okay, we got green lit for a show. And they start pulling in researchers. Now researchers could have worked on a cupcake show. They could have worked on, you know, a duck dynasty, who knows? They bring them in. They're, they're talented people. They know how to research, but they know zilch about UFOs, right? And and so maybe some of them have worked on another show somewhere, okay? But they they have to be brought up to speed. And and mm-hmm. I feel like the, this office has not been brought up to speed at all. I, I totally understand how he said it's a lack of resources. I get it. But what happens if we throw them more money? What are they really going to do with that? Right. Um, and so that I think is a main problem. Unless there's a real desire and a passion, they're going to stay inside their own little box. And, and the people who are generating the reports to give you an idea, um, uh, I think it was Ryan mentioned the, uh, the, the pyramid, the triangular thing, not to toot my own horn here, but Bray was referencing my, my report. About okay? the Boca effect. The Boca or? effect. So Mick West, love him or hate him had brought forth this idea that, you know, that there was some refraction of light and it was the aperture of this and that, the night vision camera. So I said, you know what? I'm open to go try it. And I did. I took my night vision. I went out and I filmed a drone and I filmed uh, an aircraft. And lo and behold, it created the effect, which I think is what was causing the shape. But what they missed was um, that does not explain that there's still a threat of these dozens of drones that were following the USS Russell over several days, well over an hour, not commercial off-the-shelf drones. They didn't know where they came from. They didn't know where they went. And yet, Bray's presenting it as, yeah, explained. Yes, Which it's is a the purpose of this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he said, it, we, we've explained that one. But, um, and, and, and uh, I think it's Gallagher tasked him, and he said, well, where – did you actually film this with, um, did you film it, uh, you know, of a drone and actually using it to see if that could be replicated? And he paused, he's like, well, we were aware of other studies where that had been done. He's re- referencing my video. Okay? It's out there on Twitter. <laughs> I videoed it. And I'm thinking, I did that for free. Hire someone. If you guys don't have the resources to do this, why not source it in the same way the FBI does when they can't solve a crime? Well, well I think they, I think they are. They're they're obviously hiring right now, and we're seeing that. But what I would say is that they obviously don't have a proper communications plan. And as a PR person, you see that they don't have a level of dissemination. They don't have crisis management. Susan Goff needs to have a better crisis communication or they need to update their strategy. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing them fumble. We're seeing them have a hard time with PR and how do we communicate this? And then we'll see who they end up hiring now, because that's, that's what's happening, right? They are looking, but 
they really need to be able to find better people to be able to communicate and saying that no comment and I don't know anymore and trans and non-transparency used to work for them. It doesn't work anymore. And Hopefully. that's what we've been seeing for a very long time. This well, I want to, I want to, I, I want to throw to Lee because I, I, you know, on one hand and Ben, I think that that's a, a very salient point that they're clearly looking at what other people are doing out there and, it seems reasonable to intimate that they have probably seen your video and your findings on this. And that's what they're referencing. And yet no offense to you. They would probably also label you as one of those self-serving individuals (laughs) that, that essentially they might think, well, we cannot, we can't quite trust those other parties out there. And I found that to be interesting because Mm -hmm. There was a sense, and perhaps I'm just cynical and paranoid, that it was a little bit of the government being like, trust us, like, trust us. We're, yeah. You know, we'll tell you what you need to know. And yeah. and we'll tell you as long as it doesn't like threaten and danger national security, we'll tell you what you need to know. But, you know, watch out for some of those self-serving groups. Lee, my question to you is. Yeah. Having, you know, being a longtime journalist as someone that's presented about this topic as well. What do you think the public's takeaway from this oh. might be? Because, I mean, the other side of this is there was that question, which I I I flagged about should there be uh, a regulation or prosecutorial uh, actions towards people that are out there reporting these things and misreporting. I don't know. Lee, t- give me your, your reaction uh, about how the public might take this. I, I think this goes back to <coughs> excuse me, something that um, Ryan said before. Um, Ryan, I felt your frustration. Every time someone said, well, we can't really get into that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in the closed session later. And and if I, 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 sh- I should have counted how many times I've heard somebody say that um, because especially when, when Moultrie said, I, and I don't know what the question was that led him to this, but he, he said something like, um, we're also very interested in what's happening in underwater cases, but we'll mm-hmm. discuss that in the closed session. And I'm thinking, and I figure I'm, I'm John Q public. What do you mean in the closed session? Discuss it right now. Tell us what what underwater cases. You can't even mention the USO. I mean, what 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 is it that you're hiding? I think that the public might have been frustrated. They came away from this. How much of the public decided to watch this this morning? Came away thinking, no, they don't trust us to know any information. They they think that they know all the answers, and they're going to talk about it in a closed session. And nowhere did anybody say. Oh, and by the way, we will release uh, some of the findings of the closed session. And that made me think of, you know, that report from June of last year. What we got, the public got the unclassified version, but we also know that there was a classified version. Mm-hmm. Have we seen or heard anything about that? That's like a closed session like this was this morning. And so they, they keep playing this kind of game. And I think the public falls for it without even knowing that we're being, we're being shrugged under the carpet just as much as the topic itself. I kind of uh, wonder if the public is falling for it because 
looking at the reactions on Twitter and that's only one part of social media, I do think people were picking up on the questions that were not answered. And and look, I don't think any one of us is saying that we need to reveal uh, sensitive classified information about underwater sensors uh, that that help right. with yeah. national defense. But there seems like there's something that could be said about Well, that. yeah. I, I don't want to know what kind of radar or sonar you have in your submarines that can pick up something that's going at an incredible rate of speed that that is faster than anything we've got. I don't want to know about the technical part of it. I just want to know what are they picking up? That's all I want to know. And, yeah. and I think that's what the public wants to know. Just tell us what is being reported that you don't want to tell us about. Yeah, well, all the best questions, their answers were either we don't know, it's not true, or we'll yeah. talk about that in closed session. We'll, we'll talk about yeah, that yeah. later. The best interesting one was USOs. They said they don't have crashed UFO, they don't have materials, they don't know about the nukes, they don't know about the Wilson document, which I think is silly anyways, but funny that it got in there. But still, uh, and then finally, USOs, it's like, great. Oh, we're going to talk about that in closed session. That gives us no confidence that they're willing to share when That's right. the only topic they know something about, they're taking into closed session. Mm-hmm. Again, and, I think and, this goes to Chrissy's point that their PR has to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have at least made some statement that uh, and then taken it to closed session. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised by them, though. I'm, I'm not surprised. We saw this with the, the assessment report. You know, we've seen it with all of them. So I think that we've all, you know, maybe is a nothing burger in that, but at least we're getting there. You know, it's chipping away, you know, year by year, month by month to finally get some actual coverage. And we'll see what civilian footage will start leaking again. And we'll see what they have to say now about that. I and think that on that, on, too. Yeah. on that point, Chrissy, that's actually, that's a great point. And, and, yeah, I, I honestly think disclosure is not the government opening the door. It's the public blowing the door wide open. But the we are running out of time. So my question for each of you is either you could take either approach on this, but what's next or did you have any other final thoughts about this this hearing today, this panel and also, how can people find you and support your work? Uh, Chrissy, why don't I begin with you? Yeah, I'm just curious to see where it's going to go next. I want to personally know what the conversation about foreign adversaries. I think it's a very important conversation. You know, I know Ben Hansen, I've chatted about this being UFOs and foreign adversaries. So I think that it's something that we really need to look at. And yeah, so that's where that's where I like to go see this next and have a larger conversation and what that's going to look like. And people right. can find me at my little handle down there um, at Chrissy Noon on Twitter, and you can also check me out at thedebrief.org too. Excellent, and thank you, Thanks, Chrissy, Aaron. for joining us. And Lee Spiegel, final thoughts. Yeah, and I, what's I, next? And I I noticed that uh, Bray, <clears throat> getting back to him, he he mentioned just very very cautiously. He actually said a number of other countries have admitted objects in their skies that they can't explain. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep coming back to this uh, on my radio show and just in, in doing interviews. I keep re- trying to remind people, this is not just an American issue. Yes. Everything, that, everything that we saw this morning was all about what was going on with our national policy, with, with Project Blue Book, what's happening here. There was hardly any mention the fact that this is a global thing we're dealing with. Nobody seemed to want to get out of that comfort zone of 
well, we can prove it. It's one thing or another because we're here in America. We're making the policies. No, this is not American only. People have got to understand that because it, it kind of makes us look bad, I think, to the rest of the world because if America is not admitting that all of us, the rest of Earth here, are having the same problems, something's operating in our skies everywhere, why is America not confirming that more and more? This has got to be a global issue. And, uh, and, and also, the, 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 one of, the, one of the, uh, the representatives asked uh, Bray, in fact, have there ever been any collisions with U UAPs? And, and his response was, no, but there have been 11 near misses. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, I, uh... wow. And he said, and a, a number of these were physical objects. Wow. Okay. Can we hear more about that? No, it's going to be behind closed doors. So I, it's like they, they have to find a new, a new way of, of responding. And this is probably one of the reasons why there haven't been many other uh, open hearings in the past 50 years, because, because they don't want the public to see this kind of interaction going on behind the scenes, because they can't, just, just the fact that they wouldn't even acknowledge the nuclear situation at all the bases is, is a big part. It's like they're trying to squirm their way around something that we all know is fact. And they, they can't get away f f uh, with this for much longer. So I, right. I, I have great hope that something will happen. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see something major happen uh, in the whole topic, but I'm not sure that the kind of disclosure that most people want to see is going to happen anytime soon, which is not to say I'm pessimistic about it. Uh, I just, I would like to live long enough to see something mm -hmm. that can happen. Um, and if people want to get in touch with me, you can find me at lee.spiegel at hotmail.com and I'll be happy to hear from you. All right, great. About your and email? My goodness. <laughs> He's still rocking the hotmail. The, it, it, uh, it, it, <laughs> well, that's, that's the only one I'll allow at this point. Right. I'm going to sign you up for every spam service and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and you have no idea what I'm going to do to you, Hanson. <laughs> uh, let the accusations of being a reptilian begin for Lee Spiegel right, by right. email. The and uh, Alejandro Rojas, where can people support you? But also your final thoughts and takeaway on this open yeah. panel. Yeah, two quick points, really. Uh, disclosure: We might have heard kind of quite a bit of disclosure. They don't know anything now, but <laughs> do they? It comes back to, you know, what we thought this was going to be, that they were going to be pressured into telling us about their failures thus far of being able to move forward. Um, to Lee's point, you know, the, is this disclosure? Maybe, but we didn't talk about one of the big topics is, are the other agencies cooperating? Because they've alluded to that they're not. Um, we didn't even go there to those type of problems. The only time they raised one of these red flags that was supposed to be challenged was we don't have the resources. That's not an excuse. No one jumped in there to say, what resources do you need? This is an excuse for moving forward. That was one of the conversations we were supposed to see. So moving forward, uh, it depends. We, we've heard that there's going to be more hearings. I don't see the energy or the questions here that would call for more hearings. I hope that happens, but it doesn't look like it. If there are hearings, there's a big disconnect between OSAP and ATIP and what they've been saying and what we heard today. 
So two of the main people you'd want to hear from are Elizondo and Eric Davis. And I don't know how Eric Davis can stay in the closet when the, the Wilson documents now on record, hmm. um, you know, that he's going to be a very important person if people start looking at that. Um, and then finally, you know, going forward, I think the one thing that we did see is they were very undereducated. They talked about wanting to work with MUFON and other civilian groups. So that's where groups like the one I work for, the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, need to get in there and start saying, hey, we can educate you. Here's information. Here's information. We're serious. We want to help um, to strike to educate them. Where can you get my information? ExploreSCU.org would be the best link. Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff going on there. And then you can see my little Twitter tag there, Alejandro T. Rojas. All right. Thank you, Alejandro. And Ryan Sprague. Yeah, um, just two quick points. Um, you know, while I may not agree with certain representatives on aspects of a lot of other political issues, uh, I do think the bipartisanship of this hearing was pretty um, hopeful. That, that we can come together and have conversations about these things. And, you know, people like Rubio have said, uh, trust me, there's probably going to be some leaks when it came to that report coming out in the past. And now these, uh, you know, closed door sessions. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, like Chrissy said, if some Congress member or a member of their staff reaches out to the debrief or to any of us and says, hey, that did not go as planned kind of made us all look bad. Um, here you go. Again, I, I I think Elizondo says it best. He doesn't condone leaks, but, you know, it is a natural part of um, our, our political system, our government. When people feel that they're not being transparent enough with the public, they will try to nudge that transparency in some way. So I'm hopeful that maybe this will fuel the fire under some more Congress members uh, to be like, whoa, th yeah, this is an issue. We should look at again. I had no idea who Gallagher was before today. And now I'm like, huh, that dude actually put some passion behind this and was like, yo, look into this. You're the apparently the preeminent people looking at this. Look into it. So, again, I think all of this that has happened since the New York Times article up until today has been forcing the hand of government. They're not going to give any of this to us willingly. And I think it's awesome. There's grassroots efforts like, uh, you know, the Big Phone Home or um, the SCU signing, you know, their names to this and saying, hire us. We're ready. We want to work with you on this. So I have hope that, you know, hopefully the future will be bright in the next year or so. Maybe we'll see more hearings. Maybe the SCU or UAPX or groups like this will become a bigger part of the conversation and actually add to the data that our government supposedly is collecting. So, um, yeah, I have hope we'll see something. And um, in the meantime, yeah, you can check Chrissy and I out on somewhereintheskies.com. We do the podcast every week. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, too. And we love having conversations like this, Aaron. So um, thank you. Thank you for your um, allowing us to do this today. Most certainly, Ryan. And I will say just another point about the leaks is whether it's a, a nation or a congressperson with aspirations when those leaks come out if someone were to go on record they would take a major hit however they would also become a rock star and <laughs> and for sort of the celebrity status politician at this point i think someone out there might be willing to do the calculus on that and go with it 
Just an interesting, we'll you know, it. something that I was thinking of. Uh, ben Hansen, where can people, uh, final thoughts, uh, what's next? Yeah. And how can people follow you, Ben? Uh, Twitter is at Ben Hansen zero zero. I'm on Facebook. Um, new season of UFO Witness coming up sometime. We don't know Sometime yet. soon. Um, been filmed. It's in the can. So sometime soon on Discovery Plus. Um, so, so much is going through my head, but I, I agree with, with nearly everything everyone has said. Um, I, I did sense a lot of hubris here with um, the, the witnesses that spoke, but the more I get into this, the the dejected feeling that I, I'm I'm experiencing is incompetency and and really seeing that I don't know that the passion or the real interest we we're starting with this belief that they want to know that they really want to solve this mystery and, and I think that's a big assumption um, I I almost am, am am to the point where I'm thinking this is so fragmented that no matter how much resource we put towards it, this department in the Navy is never going to know what these people in the Air Force know, or we can't get them to work together. Or if there's a secret keeping group, these secrets are so well hidden, they could actually be telling the truth. We need to consider that the front office people, these people who are um, the spokespeople, the, the people they call to be witnesses, could actually be telling the truth that they know nothing right that they don't know anything more than what they've been provided by their staffers and their staffers don't have access and therefore it's just an exercise in futility like project blue book so that's my frustration but setting that aside it may not matter it really may not matter i think we need to go to the next phase and we need to really just look at is the government ready not are they going to tell us but as we are as a society are we going to be ready for the news, however it comes and um really quickly, I was in DC all last week uh, with my school at Georgetown because I'm working on my thesis on this very topic and, um, you know, talking to people at uh, Homeland Security, DOD, and kind of just getting a sense of like, what type of plans might we have for some sort of event like this? And um, I, I think it's probably what you expect. People really do not deal with this until it's on their doorstep. And, and like Alejandro said, unless there's motivation, we get more explosive reports and in your face, we may not get the government to disclose or be more competent in this. It's probably going to come from something out of our control and then we'll be forced to deal with it. So anyways, that's, that's kind of my take on it, but keep trucking along. It's, it's all positive in a sense that people are talking about it and uh, that's where we go. Very good. Well said. Thank you. And thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ryan, Chrissy, Lee, and Alejandro. And thank you for everyone out there. Thank you for joining. This has been Talking Strange. Don't forget to subscribe and download each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also check out the video versions of this on youtube.com slash us. And you can check us out on talk, at Talk Strange Pod on Twitter. Me personally, I am Aaron Sagers. You can give me a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and on Patreon, all at Aaron Sagers. Until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird.